Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to delve back into the world of Doctor Who, which is back for Jodie Whittaker's final season of sorts. It's a six-parter called The Flux, and we have just seen the first episode drop on Halloween, 31st of October, UK time, and Monday, the 1st of November, Australian time. Joining me to discuss the show that shaped his childhood in many ways, but one that has left him bitterly disappointed in recent years, is a man who, no doubt, will only be glad to know that when danger comes to him, a happy doggo will be there to save his life. It's Stuart Late. <laughs> Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. I mean, yes, if a fearsome alien race does want to invade, you'd want them to be cute doggos, wouldn't you? They were very cute. Although, don't I- call him cute. You're, no. you're insulting his honour. So was his name Carvanista? Was that his name? Yeah, yeah. I, I have some things to say about Carvanista, as I have to say about lots of things in this episode. But okay. we'll get there. But but I, yeah, uh, he is he is a not a good boy, although all dogs are good boys. So yeah. <laughs> Even the girls. Even the girls. Um, well, just in general shape, because I've just finished watching, as typical of when we record, I tend to, you know. <laughs> Leave things to the last minute. In my defense, I had to go to the gym and do a very punishing workout. So I don't like to use the word hero, Stu, but I'll let people, you know, draw their their own conclusions. Not not all heroes wear capes. No, and certainly- Some of them wear active wear. That's right. It's uh, Kmart brand leisure wear is what I'm in and it's still sweaty. (laughs) I watched this show having had very little, I guess I haven't really been in the Doctor Who frame of mind. It's been that thing it's that- crept, oh, yeah, it's, it's crept back, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just crept back. It hasn't had that sort of sense of event, but maybe I just haven't been tuning in to the sense of event television that maybe-, maybe No, it has I don't think you're alone. I don't think you're oh, alone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't mind this episode. I'm just going to start off with a, yeah, I, I, I was entertained and there was a whole lot of content, but there at sure least was. it wasn't dull. It seemed to keep rollicking along and I was interested in what was happening. And to me, that's really probably very high praise. I mean, for this era of the show, it's high praise indeed. Um, <laughs> oh, they had they had a whole lot of new people. They had a whole lot of returning characters and a whole lot of mystery. I don't know exactly what's happening, but hey, I'm, I'll strap in and, and it didn't turn me off watching the, the next five episodes. So Yeah, exactly. I, I would thoughts? I would hold all of that against this episode, except for the fact that I'm sure that's the point. Here's everything, Here, like a whole bunch of stuff. You don't know what's happening. We know what's happening. Over the next five episodes, we're going to tell you what, what's happening. Right. That's the promise. It was a bit um, of try before you buy. Sure. I think Chris Realism. Chibnall is not great at following through on that promise. So I don't quite trust that we're going to get all the answers or that everything's going to fit together in a satisfying way. You've been hurt before, Stu. I have been hurt before, Natalie. It's okay. As have you, as have we all. (laughs) Well, I have that detached level of this wasn't my childhood thing. I feel that for you and certainly for Greg and Dan from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, because our group chat has already been, you know, having (laughs) (laughs) declarations and statements, including Dan going, I'm not watching it. I'm just not watching it. I'm not watching it. I'm not doing it. And Greg like, oh, you know, I'll I'll see how I go. And Stu like, I'm excited to watch, but I'm ready to judge. And me like, oh, yeah, it's on again, isn't it? Uh, That's right. I have to watch that. That's a pretty good encapsulation of our general general attitudes going into episode one here. So yes, it's um, it's it's been a time, but uh, as you say, it could all come undone over the next five episodes. It's a definite risk. Mm. It has it has happened before. Witness the immediate past uh, season of Doctor <laughs> Who. 
Oh, the other day I was just thinking about Orphan 55, that episode, oh, the really bad one. The, the worst episode of Doctor Who ever. <laughs> like the worst episode. Well, like bad on a technical level, not not even just like on a story level. Okay, I, yeah. I could talk all episode about that episode. My God. Oh, we did. But it, it's, um, it just made me laugh. Like, I don't know, has it been a gift in disguise that there's that <laughs> one episode I can recall with instant? Because, you know, there's a lot of the Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi era that I've just kind of forgotten. And at yeah, least with yeah. Jodie Whittaker, there's a lot I've forgotten, but I remember Orphan 55. <laughs> yeah, you remember I, Orphan 55. That I is... remember the crazy frog episode, the bizarre, weird, trippy frog episode. Oh, yeah. And, and it the takes crazy, terrible, terrible Orphan 55. Oh, that, that episode. And then one with birds or bats or something. There was one with like flocking bats, birds. Oh, which had a, a ridiculous name, which actually flies out of my head right now. But yeah. yeah. But birds with birds full of plastic. And then the other, that's the one. And then the other thing that I realised that I couldn't remember was the name of, um, I still can't remember it. So there were three companions. There was Yaz, there was Graham, and there was. Oh, my God. his name. Oh my god! Do you remember? No, you just said that, and I was like, I was like, oh, surely I'll remember. No, no, it's gone. It's out of my. Yeah, Graham. Graham was like the breakout hit of the the the, the season. And then Yaz was the tough, you know, Yaz obviously face fighter. And and the third one, whose name I definitely remember, was it Troy? Was it? Oh my god. Chris, was no, it Graham and they were always a double act. Oh my, what, what have you done? Is this a, is this a magic trick? Have you? <laughs> I have bewitched you. <laughs> that is insane. You know, he can't ride bikes. He's got. The, yes, the, exactly. The, yeah, yeah. He's got the Ryan, Ryan. His name is Ryan. Ryan. Did you look it up? No, no. I, they just came. You said the it bike thing and I was picturing him riding, okay. like falling off his bike. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, he has dyspraxia. Dyspraxia. That's, um, see, I can remember. Which, I, which ironically the... sounds like a character created by Chris Chibnall. <laughs> I am God. dyspraxia. You will obey my every whim. <laughs> but yeah, it was this weird thing where I couldn't remember. I was like, and then I thought I should look it up. And then I went, no, I'll just keep it and see if it pops into my head by the time we podcast tonight. Wow. Yeah, some, some memorable characters <laughs> that have uh, been written. I, and I wonder if that's the threesome because I can remember Rose... Martha, yeah. um, Donna. Even like Amy and Rory. Amy and Rory. Yep. They're, they're slightly memorable. They're Scottish. <laughs> well, one of them is. Clara and River Song and... Bill Potts. Oh, yeah. I probably wouldn't remember her so much. Well, she was, well, she was only in one series. She was only in one said, series. That's true. A fair but then of... so, was, so was Donna, technically. It's Catherine Tate, though. She's much more memorable. Well, like, true. no offense to Bill Potts, but like Catherine Tate comes with, you know, she comes with existing. I'd never seen Bill she Potts in anything before. Well, you knew her already. She already existed as a, whereas Bill Potts I hadn't seen in anything. She was kind of new to that. Mm, exactly. World. Anyway, so Ryan. Ryan, Graham, and Yaz. <laughs> Yaz has continued on. Graham and Ryan. <laughs> See, I always did it again. He's, he's, he's dancing around the edge of your consciousness. <laughs> really is. And I apologize profusely, but that's just my brain for you. So, yeah. So because I haven't had the, like, the childhood in-depth deep love of Doctor Who, I can sort of appreciate that hey, this might work, this might not. And, and But uh, you and, you know, Greg and Dan are so invested and other people who are Doctor Who, you know, super invested. <laughs> then I appreciate the, the, the stakes are higher. You know, I can, sure. I can sort of detach myself. Not that I want to. I'm, I'm here. I'm present. I'm in the moment. But I can sort of, I guess, I guess what I can do, Stu, is sort of get all of my emotional feelings, interlock them into a superstructure that can encapsulate my heart. <laughs> 
and protect it from an incoming sort of machine of death. An incoming maelstrom of disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> Can we, that should be the subtitle to our podcast, Raven On, <laughs> a maelstrom of disappointment <laughs> featuring Nat and Stu. <laughs> oh, it's a maelstrom. Oh, it's definitely a maelstrom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, do we want to do our minute challenge? I feel like you should go first because sure. you know, okay. you're, I can, you're I can definitely go first. of the who and you'll probably have the more sensible things to say. Well, that, that's, a, that's a sliding scale. We'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, okay, so the very first thing I wrote was this was a lot. Um, <laughs> just a lot. There was a lot happening. As I said, like I'm not, I'm not holding that against the episode. This is definitely the first episode in a six-episode serial, um, mm. which is really interesting. I mean, like it's something the show hasn't really done. It was sort of flirting with serialization for a, a few years, and then when Chibnall took over, he very deliberately said, "No, we're not doing like season arcs anymore. There's not going to be like big bads." Except then he immediately went back on that and just did like a bookend villain that was in like the first episode and the last episode, and never showed. Up in any of the other no, no, no. Um, uh, if you remember Tim Shaw, the guy with the teeth in his in his face, <laughs> do you remember that? Has that gone out of your mind as well? No, I, I, I don't do. blame you. I don't blame you if it, it was, did. It was Tim Shaw or something, and we just called him Tim Shaw after Tim Shaw from Demtel. <laughs> well, we called him Tim Shaw after Demtel, but like yeah. the Doctor in universe called him Tim Shaw. Um, oh, that's right. Like, yeah, you know, quirky. Yeah, quirky. Yeah. Mm. So we this is the first sort of experiment in serialization that the show's really done uh, for a long time. Obviously, it used to be heavily serialized, uh, yes. at least within um, episodes. It used to have the sort of 25-minute uh, episodes. It'd be like four-episode or six-episode serials. Yes. Um, which used to be fun because uh, you'd have cliffhangers and, and things like that, which was quite cool, which we still get occasionally. We get the, t- the odd two-part episode, but this is like explicitly a six-episode chunk, which is all we're getting, <laughs> and then we're getting a few specials uh, next year, and then that's it. That's, that's it for it. Jody. You're done. Uh, you're done. You're done, Jody. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing Jody stick around, but definitely keen for this era of the show to be over. But, you know, this could possibly be like the best version of this era of the show i've go out on a high yeah i hope so i've said before like this version of the show is at its best when it's going really weird like i think (laughs) like just stuff stuff like the cosmic frog the the haunting of villa diodati like that was pretty cool you know like just just stuff where it where it just goes full weird and swings for the fences um it doesn't always hit but it's always interesting and there are episodes that are just very bad and they, they are not interesting at all. Uh, and so I think this first episode was really interesting. There was a lot going on. There is the understanding that theoretically we're all going to get some answers as the episodes progress. Mm-hmm. And also that, you know, that there's going to be a little bit of timey-wimey stuff going on. Because obviously we're getting time loops. We're getting people showing up out of order. The Doctor doesn't know what's going on. That's interesting. That's cool. That, that's, a, that's not a bad place to start from. I don't mind it. It was a lot. And in, in, if, if the episode was self-contained and tried to wrap all that up within the confines of 55 minutes, I think we'd be in a lot of trouble, but we've got five more episodes. So let's let's strap in and see where we go. Yeah. And I suspect that the next episode will kind of be a some months earlier, possibly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I did like that there was one title card, I think that was like 33 million miles you know, away or trillion, something like yeah, that. Yeah, years away. 33 trillion years miles away, away yeah. you know, and it was like, yeah, that's good. That's fun. I like yeah. that. That's the sort of title card that really only Doctor Who can do. And that's great. I love that stuff. It's fun. The next item on my list was the TARDIS is leaking black goo. That's probably not great. Oh, I forgot the black goo. Yeah, lots of stuff going on in this episode. I did clock the black goo and the, the Doctor being like, hmm, that's not that's not good. It's fine. Then, We're all fine. It's Absolutely fine. We're all fine. I'm fine. fine. 
nothing's nothing's going wrong at all. It's been a trait of humanity over the you know millennia we've been around that the oozing of black goo from any mm. anywhere is generally a bad sign. You Usually know, a alone, bad sign. Let alone Something has gone wrong. You know, your literal black death, but also, yes. I guess, you know, black mould, spores, uh, what's the thing where your limbs disintegrate? Scurvy. Scur- <laughs> no, scurvy is when your mouth gets all blistery. Oh, right. Your limbs yes, disintegrate. Yeah. Um, gangrene. Leprosy? I mean, oh, gangrene. Leprosy. Yeah. yeah, leprosy, gangrene. Any kind of oozing of black goo is generally frowned upon. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Lung cancer. That's black goo. That's all lung cancer is. Stop smoking, kids. <laughs> the next item on my list was uh, Yaz got character development off screen, uh, which is which is always fun. Uh, they've been off having adventures. I wish we had have seen them. Um, <laughs> they took an intergalactic gym course. Yes. Circus, circus course. <laughs> and can now do flips. If that was me, I would have been absolutely stuffed. Yes. <laughs> I did a circus, beginner circus intro class once um, with the local mob here in Brisbane, and it was great fun, don't get me wrong. I found I was quite good at being what they call a base, where you're like the biggest person who sits on the bottom of any kind of acro balancing. Oh, right. Um, the fly, which is the people who kind of fly or you're lifted up, not very good at that. They said, oh, no, everybody can stand on everybody else, and I'd be partnered up with some 50-kilogram tiny person. And it's like, no, just stand on their thighs. And I'm like, I will break them. I will. And it's like, no, everyone can stand on everyone else. I'm like, sweetie, I'm going to break everyone here. <laughs> when it came time to anything aerial, I was terrible because I cannot haul my body weight up with my arms. It's one of the reasons <laughs> I tried to start going back to the gym, but I still can't do chin-ups or pull-ups. I still can't. I can't lift myself. So if I was, if that was me and the doctor hanging on that thing, I'd be like, I'll, I'll just hit the boiling gas. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, you and me both, like I, it's like, I, I do not have the, I do not have the, the core strength to do that flip that they do. Can I, can I just say like, just a sidebar, like, like this is obviously relevant to the episode, but like, what was the point of the death trap? Like it was fun. It's a fun way to open the episode, but then it turns out that the guy who was trying to murder them horribly it's was like uh, an honorable dog man. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of misdirection that doesn't really stand up under scrutiny. You're right. So I mean, I mean he was definitely trying to murder them horribly. Like, like we we agree on that, right? Like, like yeah. the, I'm not misreading that. He was trying to kill them in a very terrible way. You couldn't see his face. You just heard his voice. Yeah, mm. and then later he's revealed to be like a cute dog person, and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like. And he's he's portrayed then as basically like an irascible good guy, like because it turns out he's trying to save everyone. Their species. Why was he trying them. to kill them? Was he because like, they weren't his humans? I assume. I, sure. <laughs> it seems strange. Anyway, it just really yeah, it clanged. I don't know. Anyway, um, good point. You made me think. I had sort of forgotten about that with everything else that. Happened. Yeah, the, the episode <laughs> opens with like the fun, the fun, funny dog man uh, trying to murder our heroes. Yes. Um. Anyway, then I, I finished off my list with uh, three interlinked questions, which we can deal with in, independently. But I'll just get sure. them out all at once. Who is Swarm? What is the Flux? And why is Dan here? Well, uh, um, I can tell you from my list. I wrote um, Swarm appears to be a blue makeup guy. <laughs> He's possibly into twincest. So there's a Jamie Lannister, Cersei Lannister real, vibe going on. There's a real disco Lannister vibe to those guys. <laughs> um, like, like the Night King got involved somehow. Yeah, exactly. There's been a weird threesome that's happened. And yeah, the flux is what I've put on my list is a giant all consuming machine. So basically just me at a buffet. <laughs> um, and then why is Dan there? Because he's a scoundrel. 
He's from Liverpool. I've been watching. You know what's funny? He says, I call the busies. And I knew what busies meant because I'd just spent, oh, late last week, I watched another true crime drama on BritBox because I got right. BritBox to watch Line of Duty, which, of course, is a police procedural. And then I've kept it because I went back and watched all the Inspector Morses and the Endeavours. And then I just started watching the limited police procedurals that the BBC and Sky, I think it's BBC and ITV who do BritBox. Mm. So you just go on there and it's just detective heaven. There's just so many right. yes. irascible and eccentric detectives solving crimes. I haven't even started some of them because I'm like, this is going to just take me out of action for a week if I start committing to Vera or something. But there was um, <laughs> Stephen Graham, who's a Liverpudlian actor, I'm trying to think of something that he's been in that you might have seen. Look, he's just in a bunch of stuff that's on Stan and BritBox and mm. he, he's he's in a show with Sean Bean called Time, I think, that came out recently, which is where Sean Bean's in jail and he's the jail officer. Right, it, okay. it, I feel like it's a, there's a new rule in British television that Stephen Graham has to be in like every second crime sort of. <laughs> he's he's migrated drama. to that upper echelon of like uh, aging yeah. British character actor. Yeah, well, he's not even that aging. Like, he's in his 40s. But, I mean, he looks a bit older because, I guess, I don't know, tough Liverpudlian life. Who knows? But he was in the fifth season <laughs> of Line of Duty as kind of the main. Every Line of Duty season has sort of a guest star for that arc. And he was the dude in that. He's everywhere if you're into British television. Right. But he's got that accent like, and they were doing this crime about a kid who was murdered in a car park in 2007. And they're all talking like this, la. And, um, that, is a, that is a passable uh, Liverpool accent. Oh, thank you very much, La. Ta-da. I, I say as someone who's never been to Liverpool. That's, so that's the thing. They were saying Tara, Tara, which is Liverpudlian, and um, um, Busies. That's the Liverpudlian for policemen. Right. Look we'll at the yeah. Busies around, La. You've got to really lean into the scowls. <laughs> You've got to, like, envelop the word with your mouth. Try and get a little bit uh, Paul McCartney from the Beatles. Well, the, the, the phrase trick or treat becomes, like, strangely like clipped in, in a scouser it's a very very good uh... we've offended all of liverpool now oh of course of course <laughs> but, you know for sure for sure so yeah the first thing on my list Stu, because i feel like we're starting to intertwine sort of flux style we're starting to consume each other's list. <laughs> the first thing i put on my list was visit liverpool <laughs> <laughs> Oh, in a in a in an extremely weird sequence, uh, where it turns out he's just some rando. Uh, he gives a like a tour in the Liverpool Museum. The, who likes to talk about the greatness of my city? <laughs> just I'm, I'm, like I do apologise to Liverpudlians <laughs> for mocking your accent, but he's like, and, and this is the top floor, and it's it's brilliant because we got the writers and the musicians, and over there the footballers. I'm like, that's two out of three to the arts. Two out of three to the arts. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Can we just remember? Anyway, yes, it's very much like he's a random guy who likes to. It's quite a crime, isn't it? It's quite a. It's quite a. You know, like uh, we'll have to kick you out again if you stop. The, if you don't stop impersonating museum guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're a right idiot. You're a punk like. On the one hand, I do understand. Like, I, you know, it it seems harmless enough, but it's like also from the perspective of that museum. They want some random guy coming in and just like taking people on tours what is he doing (laughs) this is insane he's promoting his city (laughs) like what is his deal i don't this is the thing i don't know i don't know and this goes to my yeah exactly this goes to my question and proud of liverpool so everyone just sort of gets a bit of a heart flutter and goes you know what liverpool is a wonderful city with an amazing history and let's just sort of forget about the 
you know, kind of the transatlantic slave trade, which <laughs> would arrive in Liverpool and go into go into to, to to you know mills and things like that that were run with underpaid workers and yeah let's just forget all of that let's forget all of that but just pride in Liverpool because the Beatles are from here and also we have a good football team that's just remember <laughs> that that's what, anyway do you want me to go on with my list because I can't really answer your questions uh, no that, well I was just going to say like it just it, it it is astonishing to me how little we get to know about I mean I guess we do get to know a little bit about Dan we get to know like, a lot, I felt, for, for what, I mean, in yeah. terms of he's a lovely, lovely guy, he's proud of his hometown, sure. he's uh, sort of trying to date a nice lady with no arm, or with one arm, I should say, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's he's trying to date, he's like, oh, no, well, it's a date, but I'm not a date date, just like a normal date, like, I won't be late, uh, except obviously that means code for someone's going to turn up and take me off world, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But he works at a food bank, so he's a giver. And then he doesn't even take soup because he wants all of the food bank food to go to people who need it because he's fine. But actually he's got literally no food in his mm. fridge or cupboard, which is always bizarre to me because even when I feel as a human person, even when I've got nothing in my fridge, there's still like some jars of sauce or <laughs> some rotten veggies yeah. or it, it's not bare. It's not yeah, like it, Mother there's, Hubbard there's not with a nothing bear. in your fridge, like yeah, literally it's... nothing. Yeah, I know. It's it's a it's a weird <laughs> visual shorthand to use. Yeah, it's like, well, there's nothing here. Also, then he opens if... a cupboard and there's nothing in the cupboard. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. But I kind of know if I've got stuff at home. Don't like don't most humans kind of know unless you're just never and like you have chefs to cook for you or something. Like normally as a human you go, oh, I think I've got something yeah, I think I've still got some rice at home and I think I've got hmm. – and you'd stop off at the shops. Like he didn't stop yeah. off at the shops. I mean, maybe he's poor, but then why didn't he take some soup from the food bank? <laughs> like what's he, too proud? You're too proud? Is that your, is that your thing, Dan? I mean, maybe. I mean, that's, that's yeah, he, he's obviously running on the, the idea that like, oh, no, other people need it more than me. And he's also very practical because when the giant dog – you know, attacked him. He just assumed it was a Halloween trick or treater, which you know, I thought that was quite cute. Like, yeah, that was fine. Was like, cute. I I quite liked all of that stuff. I don't know what the deal was with the adult trick or treat guy before that. Maybe I don't know. Would that be like a local reference or something? I Maybe, don't know. You know. I think but- it was set up. I think it was set up so that the so that the dude, the actual Lapari Carbonista, whatever his name is, is just like another one of these no hopers. I think that's yeah, but what I mean, was there for you don't need that. You you don't need any of that. Like like that they they use that clip in promos. So so him confronting the guy, and I wonder if they just put that in there explicitly to use as like a clip that didn't give away any of the plot because it's not related to anything. It's yeah. just this bizarre little. As thing I that say, happened. I think that it kind of shows that oh, there's a bunch of losers, adults who are getting around trying to trick or treat. So when the Lapari does break in and it's like, bow before me, he goes, right, another one of you losers. So he's kind of ready. He's been primed to expect dodgy adults trying to get candy from him. I mean, maybe, maybe. I, I didn't get that, it. but I, that, that's not a bad reading. I, I guess I, I felt like you could get the same information just by having him do trick or treat for the kids. And then this guy comes around and he's like, hang on, you shouldn't be trade. You know, yeah. you shouldn't be out trick or treating. Like it's a good costume, but. You could, I guess it shows that he's a bit of a no nonsense. Like I, you know, yes, I'm very kind, but I won't be a fool. He doesn't suffer fools. Yeah. Yeah. I won't be, you know. I, didn't, I, I honestly didn't mind him. My overall point with Dan is, and I'm sure like, I really hope this is one of the questions that is answered in the next five episodes why is he here? Like, is he literally just there because contractually they needed to add another companion this season? 
Because you can't just have two women in the TARDIS, <laughs> Well, I mean, I it's mean, starting to feel like that. Of the estrogen. Their cycles are going to be synced up. I mean, does the doctor even have, like, she probably has, like, two uteruses uh, <laughs> to match the two hearts. Like, has anybody explored that? You know, I'm just saying, Stu, that you can't, you need a man. I mean, look, in all honesty and, and completely cynically, I suspect that's probably why he's there. But, I, well, but you know, if that's the reason, then you come up with a story reason for him to be there. And from a functional perspective, there was no reason for him to be there. Why couldn't it be Yaz who was kidnapped? She was too busy hanging out with the doctor over sure. a well, boiling acid. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, but maybe maybe the cliffhanger is that she gets... Like she gets kidnapped and the doctor has to save her. That's a good cliffhanger. Mm, They're on an adventure. A a dog man comes and snatches her and runs away. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have to have uh, a kind of a cool, you know, guy in his 40s who can sort of speak to the audience. (laughs) Well, exactly. A 40-year-old guy. A 40-year-old man. Going, yeah, I'm okay with being, you know, subordinate to a woman. You know, a little bit of exploration of. Sure. It's okay to be a man in the TARDIS with a female boss. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's just my point. I, I functionally don't understand why Dan is here and why we're into him. I have no problem with John Bishop. He seems nice and the character seems I fine. Like, I have to admit I found him very charming, like very personable yeah. on screen. Yeah, sure. No, no, absolutely. He is. And even like even in all of like the press that they've done for it, he seems like a genuinely lovely man. Oh, he's 54. Sorry, I just looked it up. He's a good-looking 54. Not that, <laughs> not that that says anything. I just assumed he was like 45 or something, but yeah. Anyway, that's fine. I'm just like I'm not going to start ogling John Bishop. I feel like that would be <laughs> – I'm a better person than that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know, Stu, I'm a very adult, mature female. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. If this podcast has proved nothing else. It's proved, it's proved nothing else is that I am capable of controlling my emotions. Hey, by the way, um, I think one of the channels, one of the free-to-air extra channels is playing all the Bond movies at the moment. And oh, cool. I, happened, I flicked on and I happened to see uh, License to Kill with a bit of Timothy Dalton I, action. I saw night. you uh, spring, in, spring to Twitter. <laughs> I mean, he is so dreamy, Stu. I can't stress that enough. But obviously, I'm a very mature female, so I'm, I'm sure. about the quality of his acting, and it's it's incredibly good quality, students. Because <laughs> do you remember that's the movie he, where he's just like constantly wet, like he's in the water all the time. That, that's it's his the, second the, one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all the the drug yeah. dealers down in yeah, yeah. The that, that, city. That, that's my favorite. One. Every everyone always thinks the Living Daylights is his best, but no, it's License to Kill. It rules. It's well, that's because we worked out it was like an '80s drug movie. It's an '80s. <laughs> it's an '80s action movie. It's Bond as an '80s action movie. It rules. Yeah. And uh, and he's just constantly like in the water. He's sort of wet. He's constantly very moist. Wet. Yeah, it's great. Um, all for it. Anyway, back to Doctor <laughs> Who. Sorry, I got sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I mean, we had uh, Timothy Dalton show up as uh, as uh, a Rassilon, oh, Rassilon, so That's right. There's the there's the connection. Yes, we can legitimately talk about Timothy Dalton in a Doctor Who context. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, well to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go with your list. Okay. So, yes, I wrote um, Visit Liverpool. Every critter ever is in this episode, yes. apart from the Daleks and the Cybermen. Like, it's a pretty good lineup of uh, not bad. classic Who villains, including the Weeping Angels, the Sontarans. Sontarans. They didn't do Sontarha. I was very disappointed. I was. They I, didn't, although, although they did do quite a fun little sketch. Oh, that was <laughs> great. You look disgusting. Well, okay, no need to go on about it. Really disgusting. 
just that, those were good they also, jokes. They, they did the, the tongue thing. I, lo- I love when they always do. I love when they do the Sontar and tongue thing. It's great. Um, is that uh, adults only content? What? Hang on. What are you? Sontar and tongue thing. <laughs> the Sontar and a... tongue trick. No, no, no. Yeah, like when they, the... when they, when they do that little tongue waggle thing, they do. I've never noticed it before. So there you go. I'll have to keep an eye. They out. do in the in the in the original like when they first appeared and in, for their first couple of um, appearances, they had like a, a weird prosthetic tongue that came out that was probably quite cutting edge at the time and it it just looked really strange and unsettling. Was this in the 60s or 70s? or Yeah, yeah, when they they first sort of appeared. Yeah. And not when uh, they became potato men who resembled a former boss. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, that's right. Um, But... But then, you know, like, like since then, like the Sontaran like tongue thing is like a, a a thing that they all tend to do. They tend to, yeah. Anyway, and don't the lady Sontarans? Don't they love it? <laughs> well, well, they're all clones, Natalie, as you know. But I'm sure they will appreciate it. They found one with a very particularly good tongue. <laughs> yes, that's them. right. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I then wrote blue makeup twincess guy. Sure. Yeah. I do. I always love. So his swarm is that his? That's his. So name? he he's swarm. Yes. Uh, j- so just swarm. His, what's like his sure. sister's name? I don't know Nest? off the top of my head. Um, let Calamity? me check. Sister of swarm. Sister of swarm. Um, azure. Oh well, that would explain why she's blue. Yes. Yeah. Because they point. both are rocking some eighties level blue eyeshadow. It's pretty intense. Typical well, me, well this like... is the thing. This is the thing because he starts out blue because we get a very interesting introduction to Swarm. Well, this is um, what I was about to say. Yeah. But you you carry on. No, no, you go, you go. It's your, your, was, we're on your list. <laughs> I was just going to say, I love an intro to a character which begins with people coming in to check up on them in prison or um, <laughs> in capture or they're, you know, they're totally restrained and it's people striding in to go ha ha we're back to show you how that you're not getting out because you know that's immediately they're getting and then, out yeah, like yeah. it's big big red flag it's you know you don't have you know seasons of some guy having regular checks and then it's like oh how did you do this i waited no explanation but somehow he's able to there, there really is bonds. no explanation as to how he gets out of this he, there's sort of a just, bit of something happened yeah like, like he he did something and overloaded the system. It's not clear what. No, and then he um, can. Um, he's Thanos, basically. He can dust people. Yes. Yeah. Just instantly, instantly dust them. It's a lovely effect, though. The dusting of people. It's a lovely sort of colorful kind of. Effect. It is very cool. I hadn't. Yeah. I hadn't until you mentioned it connected it to Thanos. But you're right. That's absolutely what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a slightly more lyrical version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with the stakes and the vampires. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Dusting each other <laughs> uh so yes i then wrote all dogs go to heaven which doesn't kind of make sense but i was trying to think of a fun dog joke and that was what came out in the minute that we had <laughs> uh i wrote the thing about the flux being me at a buffet i then wrote down how many new people did we introduce there was dan there was Di, his uh lady love from the library or museum sure yeah there was claire who turned up too strange early or, mysterious or too, claire too late just a little bit of a Bait dropping there, who then seemed to get uh, um, whisked away by the weeping angel, which raised a point with me. If I can just tangent, the weeping angels. So mm. they they can only move when you're not looking at them. So what happens if you close the door at them? Surely they could just move like through the door. They they can, but then then as soon as you, if they can break down the door, I guess. But as soon as they break down the door, you're looking at them again. But this is the point. So you've you're basically stuffed if you're ever 
encounter a weeping angel because you can't if they can sort of break through and constantly follow you you're just going to go through a series of doors until they get you really i mean yeah you know there's no way to outlock it unless you can do that thing that the doctor did in blink which is do the time lock or the quantum lock or whatever it made sense at the time sure they're all looking at each other so they can't you know move it was very it was very clever the thing is too like like you understand you you suddenly get a sense of how well constructed a villain they are because up until now only stephen moffat has written the weeping angels and suddenly, like, we get them and they're just as scary. Like, yeah. they're a very scary monster. I like them. Oh, they are. But that's what made me think, like, how her going into her house, how was that going to stop the Weeping Angel? Like, Well, I think she was just was trying to get away. She was doing whatever she could. Well, yeah. But it was really it was... better off walking into the street and just kind of backing away while looking at it and backing away and backing away and then going around a corner until a, you know, policeman showed up. Because they know what to do, Stu. They'll, they'll know how to help. <laughs> Sure. Anyway, the other people we met were the dog man, obviously. Yes. And then um, Vinda, the dreadlock dude on a space station. Yes, who... yeah. I completely forgot about Vinda when I was putting together my list. Um, so but he, he is also he... there. So he's in space, sending back reports, saying how sucky his life is, but also how much he appreciates it because he gets to look at the beautiful universe. And then he hangs up and all of a sudden everything goes to shit. Mm. Again, setting up, I've been here for 2,000 days or 20,000 days or wherever he'd been and uh, nothing's happened so yeah, it's all nothing ever changes, which is Q four. Something's about to change, and yes. very badly. Sure, for everyone. This, uh, yeah, this, this episode is is moving too quickly to deal in anything but very obvious tropes. Yes. So yeah, there were ve- there were heaps of people introduced, heaps of new people. Um, but again, I could remember most of their names. So I think Vinda, I only knew because I think I'd read something about him as an actor being yeah. cast as Vinda. But yeah, dread dreadlock dude, dog man. Santarans, uh, Santarans. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, sort of very, very cool to see Dan oh. Starkey back as um, the Santarans as well, which is always fun. He's he's been playing them since uh, since they came back, uh, so it's it's cool. Oh, he's like the resident Santaran. But he looks different to previous Santarans he's played. Yeah, well, I mean, he's like in the new makeup. I, I like the, the 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 weird new makeup they've got for them as well. Uh, I wondered about that. They looked less clean. They looked kind of dirtier. Well, they look a lot more like they did in the 70s. This is the thing. Like, they're obviously going for a more retro look for them because they updated ah. the look um, when they brought them back uh, in the Revive series. But this is way closer to... Have you seen any of the old, any of the old Santaran episodes? just looking them up now on the thing. That they look a lot more like this. It's more lumpy. They, they look a bit more like potatoes. <laughs> they really do. Oh, someone had a good day at the office when they came up with this guy. Wow. That is hilarious. They really are potatoes. That's so cute. They're so cute, Stu. How <laughs> oh, anyone find them threatening? They're, they're also short. Like the hilarious thing is they're, they're yeah. canonically very sh- about five foot tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I like that. Not all aliens should be imposing. No, that's right. Exactly. Like, they're, they're kind of short. They're, they're not... They're nuggety like, is the word not, I use They're not, they're not like, they're really small, but they're short and mm. nuggety and look like little, potatoes. Little barrels coming at you. Yeah. Yes. No. Oh. Um, and uh, the only other thing I had to add to my list was, was Liverpool, uh, 1820. And I don't know what was happening there, but... Yeah, yeah. Something well, something um, happening with tunnels and something that a normal mind couldn't process, and who the hell knows? But that is based on a real thing I, I discovered. Some real life history, Stu, that I didn't know about. Yeah, well, well and and that I wasn't well, wait, aware of either. Can we can we can we sort of retro con this so I can go look it up and come back to you and go, well, Stu, as a history buff, <laughs> uh, let me tell you, because I feel a bit like I 
screwed up in not knowing that that was based on something real. Well, yeah, I mean, I I didn't either. I I was like going along thinking, you know, it'll be it'll be just like it'll be just, you know, it's, it's something made up and it'll be something to do with what they're doing. And it turns out it's actually like a a thing. So I'm just pulling it up here. So there's so th- this was a re- he's playing a real guy. Joseph Williamson was a real guy. He was an, an an eccentric, a businessman, a property owner, and a philanthropist who is best known for the Williamson Tunnels, which were constructed under his direction in the Edge Hill area under Liverpool in England. So he was just this guy. Uh, he was kind of rich, fairly eccentric, and just had the money to tell people to build these tunnels. Okay. And to this day, they're not. No one's actually quite sure what they were for. And in oh. fact, like they're not like tunnels, like like in the sense of like you, you know, like you crawling just... through them. They, they were like big underground chambers that he had made. Like they were bricked in, and just like he he had these things made, and no one knows why to this day. They have no idea what what That's was the point great. of it. Oh, I love that. Which is great, and so they've obviously incorporated that in some way, which yeah. I, I find really cool. Like I'm really I didn't... yeah, I did wonder if that was something based on on real life. But yes, that's great to get that confirmed because yeah. So so we only stop in with him very briefly, but I think yeah. obviously that will play in much more as the episodes go on. I love a folly. I love a folly, and I love a bit of quarry work. I sort mm. of got the sense that that might have been shot in a quarry. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, yeah. That was quite fun. That's good to know. It's based on some of my favourite episodes, obviously in Doctor Who, when they do a bit of a time travel and mm. find something fun that people don't really know about, and you know, big it up a bit. Um, sure. Yeah. It's always fun. It is fun. It is fun. Yeah. So uh, that was my list. What else do we need to talk about? First of all, let's deal with Swarm. So he is a cool looking villain. I I like the look. He is pretty scary. I think some young kids will probably get some nightmares, which honestly is not a bad thing if you're watching Doctor Who. That's fine. Yeah. You should be watching from behind the couch. Skew with bony mohawk thing happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's he's interesting and he has a cool visual look in a way that I think they were trying for from Tim Shaw and didn't really get there. Mm. He's like the final form of Tim Shaw because <laughs> they've they've tried like weird like demon faced people before on this on this show and they haven't really got there. And he seems to work in a way that the other ones don't. Was he played by anyone that you'd know? Because there was something about him that seemed very familiar. I can't. Really, I don't something about the voice so. or well, he's played, and this is the thing that I want to talk about. So he's played by two different people, oh. right? So the um the the swarm that we see at the start is 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 one actor, and then he kills the the one of the um time lord people who show up to look at him. Then he changes into a different person. Okay. So in a in a process that looks very much like some sort of regeneration, he 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 says himself, "Ah, I've been renewed." Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, I didn't clock that like when I first watched it, and then I went back and had a look at it. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's not only is that what's going on. It's shot like a regeneration. Like the way that they shoot it is the same way that they show Time Lords regenerating." And also, then when he goes and finds his sister, and yeah. kind of releases her from her human form where she's been living in the Arctic Circle with mm. some dude. Almost I like see. some sort of chameleon arch. Chameleon arch, s- yeah. Situation. Yeah. And uh, and frees her from that prison or something. But how long have they been there in the Arctic Circle? If, she, if he's been trapped for eternity, how long has she been living, you know, on a perch in the Arctic Circle? Like sure. In a very nice, scandy, minimalist kind of house. <laughs> 
where she gets into um, charming and relatable fights with her partner. Yeah, that's right. About a warning, there was some sort of. I even I forgot to put them on my. Here's the new people that get introduced. There was like the sister in her human form, and mm. then in her over made up disco. What did I say? Disco twincest, whatever. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I came so, up with a funny line. Just so you remember it from the, earlier in the podcast. Just uh, yeah, so you yeah. Hear yourself. Insert that in. It's a self <laughs> self assembly. Well, you know, we're talking about Scandi. It's a self assembly joke. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Get out your Allen key and put that joke together. <laughs> That's right. Get out your comedy Allen key. <laughs> and so, so that begs the question: Who is Swarm, and by extension, who is Azure? How do they connect to the Doctor? Because he says he's the Doctor's greatest enemy. Who do we know who is currently, as far as we're concerned, the Doctor's greatest enemy? I mean, the Master. I mean, sure. So, is this the Master? Is this someone worse than the Master? Is this, you know, I mean, we've seen the Doctor themselves imprisoned and trapped for millions of years in prisons before. Yeah. Is this the Doctor? Um, is this maybe? is this A someone? I mean, we we have the timeless child thing. As much as I hate it, we apparently are going to have to deal with that at some stage. And and Chris Chibnall only has a certain number of episodes left. Yeah. Like, are, are we finally dealing with? The Timeless Child stuff? Is this yeah. where the Doctor came from? Does this person have a connection there? Like, And the fact that he talked about we, we danced across the galaxy. Yeah. Our final dance is, to, is, is starting or something like that, or our final fight. I remember every battle, our final fight. But he, he definitely used the word dance at some point. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Is there Which is very, very mastery in... in- True, yeah, it probably would be the master. Unless he's just a totally new villain they've invented. Well, sure, I mean, that would be fine. But, like, you know, do, how then, like, if at all, does it tie into this whole Timeless Child thing and, and the, the Doctor's mysterious origins? Mm-hmm. He obviously has history with the Doctor, but the Doctor doesn't remember him. But then mm-hmm. she doesn't remember lots of things from her supposed past. Well, do we know any famous sort of brother-sister duos in Doctor Who history? Like, there's got to be a reason why he brought his sister into it. She's torturing the die woman. In the house. Yes, which I wasn't sure what exactly was supposed to be... Going on there? Going on there. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> but um, I was expecting it to be another villain. Like, I I was expecting it to be she'd been, you know, lured in by some other Doctor Who villain that would pop up and I'd go, oh, that's right. But no, it was the Azure, as you say. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Disco lady. I mean, the thing um, is that there's there's every possibility that they're brand new villains, which is fine. Like, it's totally fine. It doesn't have to connect back, but they do show him regenerating in some form. So, and I feel like that's significant. I feel like they, I feel like they wouldn't just throw that out there. Um, I mean, it could be read. I guess the way I sort of read it is that he he was being sort of sucked of energy in his containment chamber, so he was being kept kind of weak and pliable. Sure. And then once he escaped from that, he was able to use the human, you know, kind of energy to regenerate, which is kind of almost a Dalek-y thing that got set up by the Christopher Eccleston yeah, Doctor. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, it was more like I'm free, I'm kind of using sucking human energy to kind of get back my mojo. But then why have – I mean, he's in he's in makeup. They could have just, like, changed the makeup. Why have two different actors play him? Stu, I mean, some things just have to be a mystery. I can't, <laughs> I can't answer every question for you through this Doctor Who journey. I mean, um, <laughs> sure, <laughs> I know. I just don't want to spoil the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even realize. I, I thought it was two different kind of makeup jobs. Like he seemed to get. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he starts off very blue, and then he becomes red. Yes, and his sister is blue. She's so blue. That's yeah. interesting. 
So azure means blue, but swarm doesn't really mean red, does it? Unless he's like a manifestation of the flux because it's kind of red as well. Sure, yeah. And maybe that's why it started because he got free. Absolutely. There's definitely a connection there. Just what what, it, what is it? I, I'm, I can't tease it out. Hmm. I really hope these questions are answered, Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> In some sort of satisfying way, that'd be great. <laughs> the other big question, we, we touched on it before, but um, who is Claire? Yeah. You know, um, so we're obviously dealing with like a future companion. Well, it was one of those things mark. where she, she said, oh, you haven't watched me yet. Or you haven't met me yet. You I've haven't met, met you, me yet. But you then haven't. she says a very interesting phrase, which is that she says she, she t- she's taking the long way around or the long way home. Yes. Which, which I assumed a- means that she's going to be fl- flushed back and... But then why would she resist the weeping angel if she knew she was going to be weeping angeled? Yeah. And um, well, and, and that's the thing. Like, like I, when I, I'll just come out and say it. When I saw her show up, I, I sat bolt upright in my seat because I'm like, oh my God, is this the next doctor? Have they, are they sneaking the next doctor in? Oh yeah. I was like, huh. Just the way she was looking at them and the yeah. way that she was reacting to them. And then the things I, that she said, I was like, huh. But then, like, everything that happened with the Weeping Angel, I'm like, okay, that's not very doctory, and I don't know why she would be doing that. It would it would be purely for our benefit. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm willing to throw, you know, a couple of bucks on that as a potential but outcome. That's, that's a so weird... So we can say, you know, so we can say at the end of it we predicted it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, I'm, just, I'm throwing it out there early. The, the obvious answer, which is probably the case, is that she's in this episode as a, as a one-off or she's in this like series as a one-off companion who mm. is is like timey wimely involved in in the shenanigans that go on. Yes. But you know, wouldn't that be cool <laughs> if they if they managed to do something like that, like actually seed seed the next doctor in this early? Mm. They haven't managed to do that before, and it would explain why they've been so secretive about every aspect of this uh, that, series. That would require Chibnall working with Rusty. Russell T Davies to like approve. Well, not necessarily. I mean, like, there's no there's no specific law that says like the incoming person has to choose their their new doctor. No, but I just sort of feel like it would. You'd sort of want to do that as part of being the guy in charge of it. You sort of want to be able to build your team. I think it's just that you know. That's maybe, just how it's always been done in the, in the revived series, but that was never the case previously. Maybe they're doing something like the Joe Martin Doctor where she's just a doctor and she's meeting them. Yeah, see, that's such, that's such a cop-out and it's it's something that, and I'm not having to go at you obviously in, in that, but it's like. I really felt you worst you. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, the idea that. The Don't idea make that, excuses for Chibnall, Natalie. <laughs> Don't let him off the hook. That idea now that like. You could just run into random incarnations of the Doctor. I kind of hate that because meeting a different version of the Doctor should be an important thing that happens. The Doctor shouldn't cross their own timeline that much. Even though they they crisscross time and space, it should be an important thing if if two or more versions of the Doctor appear in the same space. I'm willing to run with it for like the Joe Doctor because I think that story worked, but it's opened the door now to all that sort of shenanigans happening in the future. And I'm like, I don't love that. I don't really love that too much. Mm. Intriguing. What else did we want to talk about? The um, the doctor kind of seeing the swarm in her head. They've got some sort of psychic connection. Yeah. Which well, she You keeps... know, they're, they're arch enemies. 
they keep saying, what's wrong, doctor? You keep fainting in front of us. And then, no, stop asking me that. And also then at the end where you have all the dogs, you know, guarding the humans on Earth with their little spaceships, which felt very, yes. uh, there was a touch of, was it Guardians of the Galaxy? It was Guardians Marvel... of the Galaxy. They, they've ripped off the idea specifically from Guardians of the Galaxy, yes. I mean, is it a ripoff or is it a homage? I mean, I mean, it's it's homaging in the in the classic Doctor Who tradition of strip mining sci-fi properties <laughs> for familiar elements that they can repurpose. I think it was cute, though. I mean, I did like. No, it was. It, it was like, good. I liked oh, it. They're called the Lupari. Uh, Lupine. No, Lupine is sort of wolf and cute. And, <laughs> no, they were. I, I like that idea. I, I like everything about them except for the fact that the main like one that we're introduced to. Is actively trying to kill the Doctor and Yaz, and then yes. that's apparently fine. Yes, so they're really, really he's... aggressive to other other people who aren't their people. Yeah, which I, <laughs> like I guess I guess be. makes them yeah that, that's a very dog like trait. Yeah. Um, but he, because he's a member of the Division. Now, do you remember what the Division is, Natalie? Did you oh, retain that information even slightly? I'm I not having a go at you there, by the way. No. I'm, I'm criticising this show. I remember when they said it a couple of times, I went, that rings a bell that there yeah. was something. That's like the I Time have... Lord Black Ops organisation that the Doctor used to belong to, apparently, before their first canonical incarnation. Um, the one that the Joe Martin Doctor oh. was a... Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So all memories have been wiped. So she's still trying to find out information about herself. She's her trying past. to find out like who she was and, and yeah. what's going on, which makes sense. Um, but apparently she hasn't told Yaz any of this because Yaz is like, what's going on? She's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. She's a really like, and I mean, Yaz does actually say that too. Is like, why won't you let me in? Like we're friends, aren't we? Why won't you let me in? Especially because they've obviously been traveling together for a while. Like, yeah. like Yaz knows how to fly the TARDIS basically. Yeah, she's throwing out all this. I was looking at her going, gee, some copper. She's all like, yeah. I'm cross-referencing time-dimensional portal influctations and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Which is fine. Like, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind that. Like, you know, Clara could fly the TARDIS. Like, Donna eventually, like, could fly the TARDIS. Like, it's not a, it's not a, a thing. Like, like, companions help the Doctor fly the TARDIS. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. It was just all of, it was like expert knowledge drop. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's all stuff that happened off screen. Hmm. You know, would have been nice to have maybe another season in the in the year that they had off to, to you know. Uh, I reckon a special probably would have, but again, that's the thing with ideas like we did an intergalactic circus course. It's a fun idea, but it does it stand up for a whole episode? Probably not. No, sure, exactly. But you know, like I, I just would have liked you know instead of going immediately from Graham and Ryan leaving to. Oh, and also they've had like a bunch of adventures. We, we didn't you get know to come what? along. You know what? They mm. should have a Doctor Who episode, just one episode where nothing happens. Where it's just the Doctor <laughs> and the companion hanging out. She keeps the, the Doctor keeps thinking there's some weird alien thing going on, and it's not. It's just and there's just normal. nothing happening. Yeah. It's like, oh no, this is what happens when we go somewhere fun where nothing happens. But that's just <laughs> not Doctor Who. Doctor Who, it's always because even with Graham and Ryan, they're like, oh, let's go to this planet, and we've been to remember when we went here, and it was really fun. Like anywhere fun that the Doctor goes, where nothing bad happens, well, we never see. It's only kind of hinted at. Uh, so I reckon just one whole episode where, say, they go back to, you know, the Regency and hang out with Jane Austen. Well, I was going to say, tea. like, back in the day that used to happen all the time. Like, like in the early historical serials, there was no aliens or anything like that. That was the whole point of them. They were historicals. So they, the, the, only, the only sci-fi element was the fact that the TARDIS had taken them back in time. 
then right. they would they would walk out into the story and they'd be dollars, in the French right? Revolution or with the or with the thing I'm talking about like the very early like the the William Hartnell ones. Yeah, but weren't the dialects in the William Hartnell? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. that you know, but but that's what I'm saying. Like that they had the sci-fi ones and the historicals. Right. And they they didn't really cross the streams too much. It was actually like in the Patrick Troughton era when they did a, an episode called the, uh, the 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 Time Meddler, right? When the the meddling monk showed up, and they they were back in like the medieval times, and there was this monk <laughs> who had like a, a radio, you know, and they were like, oh. "What's going on here?" And it turns out it's like a, another Time Lord, right? Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, but before then, they didn't really cross the streams too much. They they would have sci-fi stories and they would have historical stories. And it wasn't like secret aliens in the in the historical stories. It was just ancient Romans or Aztecs yeah. or something. And the the but would they have know, something happen that they had to solve? You know, and, and there would be problems. And there would be people who'd like take Caligula. them prisoner or something yeah, like that. Caligula yeah, exactly. Would turn up and yeah. to have sex with them. Then eat them sure, exactly. Yeah, or yeah. throw them to the lions or something. And the doctor yeah, has to yeah, figure yeah. out a way to get out of it. But that's what I mean. Nothing yeah. happens. But you want, go, you want you want like the Seinfeld version of the Doctor. Nothing, I want Doctor Who to show up with Jane what Austen or something. What is the deal with these Antarans? <laughs> yeah, and just have some tea with Jane Austen and talk about stories. And then everyone leaves going, well, that was really pleasant. Nobody showed up. <laughs> we just got to enjoy seeing Jane Austen and maybe get a bit of an understanding about a woman who, you know, possibly – sacrificed personal happiness for a greater good. I don't know. I don't know Jane Austen. I don't know her motivations. <laughs> but it would be interesting to see. Or there'd be so, there'd be so many things you could just sit. Let's. We're going to go and watch the coronation of Charlemagne. There sure. we have it. We're going to go watch Charlemagne get crowned Christmas Day, 800, and here we go. We're just going to watch it. And, yeah. and we just sit there getting educated on the crowning rituals of the uh, Dark Ages thingy. Mid, well, it's not Middle Ages, dark. You know what I mean. It's the kind of episode. I that... want a boring Doctor Who episode, just as a filler. <laughs> well, like, like to, to, to be, be fair, Natalie, there's been a few of them recently. Okay. Yeah. okay, yes, I want an episode where nothing bad happens beyond playing a bit of you know tennis or something, you know, or having tea. Oh, sure, no. and and you know what? There's no that, milk. That's there's implicit. No that's implicit in the in the idea of the show the idea of the show is that doctor who can be anything from one week to the next mm. and the show has yet to fully embrace that idea like the idea that you can genuinely be a completely different show from one week to the next because that tardis can take you anywhere in time and space exactly <laughs> i'm calling for it now a dull no not a dull just a and not even uneventful just a, lo- no... a low key pleasant episode yes, of doctor a who yes a pleasant episode <laughs> Where nobody gets a shivved in the back by a dog man or something. I, I just do know? think it would be fun to have a runner in that episode where the, the doctor constantly thinks something's going yes. on and, and then is immediately that's, deflated. Like just is immediately deflated. Yeah. Exactly. That's the point. It's like, oh no, this must be an alien species of like, no, it's just a peasant worker who, yeah. you know, you're classist yeah. and don't understand how they speak, doctor. Or whatever. Yeah, just let's 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 make it happen, Stu. Let's write. Oh no, I've just I've just bought <laughs> I just cornered myself into writing another Christmas episode, haven't I? The uh, I very think so. pleasant Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do that now. Oh, that's very frustrating. Um, <laughs> the, the very pleasant afternoon of death. <laughs> the very <laughs> the very pleasant afternoon of terror. The very pleasant afternoon Doctor Who episode. I, I've got to do it. It's been a while since I've wrote Jefferson Starfish, so <laughs> clearly 
Uh, call in if you would like to see pleasant activities that the doctor could do. <laughs> Think that something nefarious is happening, but actually, no, no, nothing's happening. It's just nice. Uh, then please call in uh, at Disco Stew, at Girl Clumsy on Twitter. You can let us know what you would like included in the very pleasant Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very funny uh, sometimes. I, I make myself laugh and that's sometimes all you can aim for. Um, what else do we have to go through with this episode? I thought the special effects were reasonable. <laughs> I like the fact that the TARDIS was throwing doors in random oh, places. Oh, yeah, and loved that, loved getting, that, loved that idea. Is it sick? Is it trying to, is it sort of its immune system kind of Yeah, so, something weird is going on with the TARDIS and it's manifesting mm. in really strange ways. I love that, actually. Yeah. That, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think we've probably covered most of it. Yeah, I think so. We've we basically got, got everything okay. out there, I think. Well, that's the Flux ep, ep 1. It sure is. Uh is there anything else we need to say? I was really impressed with how the episode just sort of leaned into the weirdness that has always been the strength of this era of the show. Um, it really seems like they're swinging for the fences with this one, and I appreciate that. I, I just really hope they stick the landing. Yeah. It would be nice for Chris Chibnall to go out with something, you know, positive so that we don't necessarily <laughs> remember orphan 55 sure yes i don't even remember if he wrote that but he was ultimately responsible so yeah i'm I'm not against doctor (laughs) who being good again is what i'm saying (laughs) i I am very pro doctor who being good again that would be great (laughs) but i still think that russell t davies should bring back paul mcgann i think that's going to be my oh absolutely that's going to be my new campaign more eighth doctor please that'd be wonderful i think i need to start a um what do you call it? Like a petition, one of those online petitions, because you know people really listen to them. How when Game of Thrones <laughs> finished, and they said remake Game of Thrones because we're dickheads on the internet. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to be a dickhead on the internet and say get Paul McGann, Thinking Woman's Crumpet, get him back, mm. get him in the sexy new costume, uh, ha- let him have adventures, let him be in 2022 or three sure. or whenever they're going to do it. That's my call. Well, Stu, I think. We might be done. I'm going to try and do a quick edit and get this up and out to the people because they're crying out. They're crying out for our take on Doctor That's it. They need to know. The people actually, need to know, Natalie. One person did actually ask me about uh, when we're going to be putting something up on Twitter. So one person did call in. And, you know, when one person makes the effort to write, you know that there's about a 1,000 people who are Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very small tip of a very large iceberg. Um, just a final question off tangent uh, mm. that I wanted to ask you, Stu. Are you planning on seeing The Eternals? Because I think that opens this week, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I will try to see it when I can. I, I didn't go, I think as we're recording this, there's a media screening going on that I, I normally get invited to, which is very good. And I, I got invited to this one, but I couldn't go. Um, oh, okay. Hang so, on, you gave up Eternal tickets for Doctor Who? Uh, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, for various reasons, I didn't go. But um, basically, sure. I, I'm going to say it's because of Doctor Who. It was because of Doctor Who. Absolutely. And me. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, Stu. I appreciate absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast comes first, Natalie, in all things. It is interesting, though, that you didn't sort of make room for the Marvel. Well, this is the thing. I mean, like, you it's know? it's basically, I, I think it's really interesting. You're probably alluding to the fact that this is like the lowest rated um, Marvel movie so that's far. What I wanted to know because it yeah. seems to be getting some really bad reviews. Some really weird reviews. I, yeah. I think there's there's a lot of people who have the knives out for the MCU just in general. And I think there's definitely a sense of, ah, this is the one that sucks. And it's like, well, does it though? Or a lot of the, a lot of the criticism that I've seen is that 
it follows the Marvel formula, which is honestly what they said about Shang-Chi. It's what they said about even even people but who I... like criticized uh, like Endgame or, or um, the Black Widow movie. They're like, oh, it follows the formula. It's like, yes, that's the successful formula that has catapulted the MCU to the top, mm. you know, entertainment franchise. They don't need my help defending them. I'm just like pointing it out. Like yeah. they have, they have a successful formula, right? Yes. This is not. It's it's McDonald's. It's fast food. Mm. It's in entertainment form. In you some know, ways, it's, it's James Bond. Well, sure, know? exactly. You know, it's it's not necessarily a new. It's food, and it'll fill your tummy, and you'll have a good time doing it. It shouldn't be the only thing you eat because you'll probably get sick. But like, it's nice to have, and they've gotten very good at making the product. Yeah. You know, like it's not bad or good. It's just. It's entertaining and fun movies. and Yeah, I do feel like we've kind of trapped ourselves there, Stu, because you're like, oh, it shouldn't be the only thing you consume, but pretty much all we've been podcasting about the last few years are big <laughs> Well, I mean, what we've been podcasting about, that's true. <laughs> we need to go watch some art house movies, Stu. Well, sure. And do some commentary on... Um, I mean, we, we can do a whole Raven on subsection about Fellini or something. I mean, I don't know what you want to, <laughs> what you want to do. <laughs> I don't think even fewer people would listen to it than listen to this already. You never know. You never know. But, uh, yeah, maybe we should um, broaden out into very obscure, you know, subtitled films, foreign language films. Sure. Uh, At least, I mean, maybe we should do Squid Game. That's very popular at the moment. (laughs) I'm one episode away from finishing Squid Game. uh, Oh, you've actually been watching it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's phenomenal. Oh, I haven't got to it. It's very good, Natalie. You need to watch Squid Game. Oh, yeah, okay. it's great. I feel like I had that reactionary thing of look, everyone is into it, ah. and I wasn't, I wasn't on board early enough, and so now I've had the reaction of, oh, everyone's into it. I'm going to have to watch this damn thing. Oh, you, you won't be sorry. It's very good. It looks pretty violent. It is extremely. Okay, all right. It's weird. Violence and me. Sometimes I can take it. Sometimes the I way can't. the way you said violence then was hilarious. By the way. <laughs> violence violence and me we have a troubled relationship um, <laughs> I was trying to say it like a scouser violence and me are not good like uh, la. I've lost it I've lost my scouser <laughs> what are you doing there la committing some violence I'll call the busies that is terrible that is really terrible I've got to <laughs> I've got to go back and watch uh, John Bishop again and get the right inclination no nope it's gone uh, it's gone <laughs> If you would like to call in at Disco Stew, at Girl Clumsy, or us on Twitter, a big thank you to all of my Patreon people, Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Girl Clumsy. You are, once again, the most brilliant people. I love you to death, and thank you so, 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 so much. You really have no idea, and I should tell you one of these days how much I love you in a much more explicit way but um that is us we will be back next week with more doctor who the flux and until then um wibbly wobbly time how did we get out of doctor who (laughs) we really should have gone back and checked yes (laughs) preparation no no Stu. that's not what people come to us for (laughs) geronimo you know something doctor who something time bye fam bye fam that's it bye fam see you next week bye